Today's episode is brought to you by Gilboa Fruit, a, an official stand-in for real fruit since 2000. Gilboa Fruit, say goodbye to the fresh. Say hello to the synthetic. Well, hello, Riley. You know, I would have probably bought that in the 70s. Gilboa Fruit? Well, in the 70s, everything was about, like, just replace what's real with what's fake. Yeah. Like processed cheese. Well, microwave dinners, that became a thing in the, in the, uh, when did microwave dinners become popular? That's like late 80s, I think. No, before that. No, Dan, probably late, mid 80s to late 80s. We got our first microwave in like 85 or 6. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They came in around that time. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe. What about like TV dinners? Because TV dinners, I guess, initially you would have put in the oven, right? The TV, yeah, I read somewhere, damn it, I wish I had a better memory about when the TV dinner was invented. I'm going to say the 50s with the TV. Yeah, I think so. I think it's post, it's definitely post-World War II. It's, uh, yeah, and it was invented just to be what it is, you know, a quick, convenient boom. Did your family ever, first of all, did they ever consume them? N- well, no, because my mother was a snob, but I did, because when my parents would go away out at night, which they did a lot, to get away from you. They would give me a choice, and oftentimes I would say, I want one of those TV dinners, those those ones, and then I would always eat the dessert first. Like a, a Swanson? Yeah, and I would eat the dessert first. Do you know what one I would get? Always the turkey. Yeah, I've had that one. Yeah. Not the fried chicken, because it's it's soggy. So I think you kind of answered my, my next part of the question then, which was, did you ever sit in front of the TV with your family and eat dinner? But I'm going to guess that, that that's a negative. No, my mother. My mother told me that it was vulgar to have a TV in the living room. We didn't. We we had, well, we had a living room and a family room. Yeah, see, and we were told that that had to be in the family room. She also told me that it was vulgar to have, very vulgar to have a TV in the bedroom. Yeah, we weren't allowed to have TVs in our bedroom. And we, and, and then you would watch American television and all the kids had TVs in their bedrooms. Yeah. And I was so bitter. I wanted it so Actually, I shouldn't, my parents had a TV in their bedroom. That was our second TV. Would they watch erotic videos to help spice up their life? I don't know. Uh, lots, lots of rap music coming out of that thing. I'm sure. Cool Modi, uh, Eric B and Rakim, LL Cool J. Well, Roger was into some. Roger was into some very dark rap too, right? He was into a lot of death rap. He's the one who introduced me into uh, like the whole world of NWA. And my mom, who was a bit more educated when it came to this type of thing, was more the on the public enemy side of things. Well, I remember she bought me a Fiona Apple CD once. That's where that CD went. That was my CD. What were, what were we saying about the um, TV dinners? Yeah, so we didn't either. We did have TV stands, but I think that was more like for snacks. I would always have the TV stand next to me when I was sick because I would lay on the couch. This TV stand would be there with like the Kleenex and the Neocitron. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if we've mentioned this in a, in a past episode. One of the things that my family has gotten back to, or we never did it before, we watch TV together as a family now. Oh. So we, we've, we find shows that we collectively want to watch together and we sit down and we watch them. So we went through The Mandalorian. We're doing WandaVision now. Uh, Master Chefs. Okay, we stop right there. We got to talk about fucking WandaVision. Yes. God, I fucking hate that show so far. What? Because it's stupid. So we're five episodes in. See, I'm three. I in. love it. 
It's just taking, it's going nowhere. Okay, every every episode is an homage to a famous kind of TV trope. And well, then, not after, not after see, uh, episode five. Thank not. God, because I've, I watched the first three and I was so frustrated. And it took so long. And I have to say that whatever his name is, um, I can't remember his name, the guy who plays Vision. Vision. He's just so not suited. Uh, uh, Bethany, Paul Bethany? Pa- Paul Bethany, yeah. Bethany, he's so not suited to doing comedic acting. Of course he's not, but it, it, I'm backed. I, no, I'd say he's playing it. His character's not suited to be playing. It's all f- a facade. Well, I know, I know, I know, but please. I think it's a very unique way of telling a story. I think they're trying something extremely different. And for that, I'm there for the ride. Okay, well, I'm going to have to see how it evolves. I think this is one of those ones we have, we're going to have to wait to see. There, I think the, the initial episodes were them just setting the table for what's to come. If you haven't watched it, which we're trying very carefully here not to, to give away anything. Well, the crazy art direction, the insane amount of detail, like that to me is blowing my mind. By the way, yeah. a bunch of critics' choices um, um, have started to emerge and everyone's loving Mank for awards. I was right. Well, it's just like what happened the, with his series of um, his Emmy wins. You know, it's just Tony Shalhoub, Tony Shalhoub, Tony Shalhoub, Tony Shalhoub. Like you're like that, you know, that comic who had one joke and they like just sh- shop it around. For, yeah. For the rest. He's so weird looking. It's disturbing. I think he's a nice guy from what I understand. Apparently he's actually a really decent guy. You know who yeah. else is a really decent, but apparently a really decent guy and the biggest potty mouth in the world. Bob Saget. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a dark, dirty comic. And fun. Like fun to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that uh, there's a docu documentary series called the um, the Comedy Store about the Comedy Store in L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's produced like um, Richard Pryor and uh, everybody's Norm done McDonald, that place. Yeah, yeah, Jim yeah. Jim yeah, Carrey. Yeah. Like this is where a lot, it, like they. I love the fact you threw Norm Macdonald in there because he's I I would argue one of the greats of all time. The guy who talks like he's always like this. He makes yeah. me cry, and he it's his delivery. It's exactly that. I love him. Because he tells these shaggy dog stories. Yeah, Kinnison. Kinnison came out of there too. Ugh. Well, he was a strange cat. My kind of comedian is Kathy Griffin. She, I love her. Mm-hmm. I love her because she just yeah, I like her too. fucking lays it down. Bob Saget's in this thing and they speak very glowingly. He's interviewed in it. He's, and he seems like a really de- just a decent person. Have you watched or are you familiar with? I think I asked you this before, but do you know the comedian who's one of the tops right now for me because she's amazing and she's funny and irreverent and she doesn't have to be too vulgar and she's really, really sweet, which is Fortune Feimster. Do you know this name? Never heard of her. I will send you links to Fortune Feimster. You will love her. She's amazing. Okay. Okay. Hey, I need to, I want to share something with you and just as a, uh, a preface to this show, uh, a, uh, it's not a disclaimer. You know what? I had a procedure done today, Riley. Well, your eyes do look younger. I wish. No, I would never do that. No, I'll never have Botox or fi- like nothing. I'll never have plastic surgery. So you're not going to do a Dolly Parton? No. Okay. And God, if that's what's going to make you happy, all the power to you. I'm not poo-pooing that for everyone. Just for me, I'm not. And you want to know why? Why? I have no desire to do any of the prep that goes into <laughs> like pre-surgery stuff. Which is what I had to do. So I had today a colonoscopy. Just for fun? Just for fun in my basement. It was a bit difficult because we had to use an old camcorder. But it really was informative for my wife and children. I heard Connor is really freaked out. (laughs) 
I well, I've got Crohn's disease, so this is, I have to do these every. Yeah, but I, I I saw Connor um, posting that you framed it as, "Come on, boys, come on, come on, Connor, come on, Aaron, let's go find Santa in the chimney." Jesus, <laughs> that's from Gremlins, is it? Uh, Phoebe Cates's father uh, is pretending to be Santa and gets caught in the chimney and dies. If I was a colonoscopy doctor, I'd say shit like that when I was doing it. Okay, we're going to go up the chimney, find Santa. My doctor is wonderful. We, I usually make the same stupid joke about, oh, I'm going to be a star on TV because I'm hopped up on drugs. And uh, this, this time, this morning, I didn't make that dumb joke. I think I made another dumb joke. I can't quite remember. Uh, you're on some heavy-duty drugs when they put you through this. Uh, so I'm, I had a long nap all day when I got home. Like I, I slept like five hours mm. and, uh, and then woke up to do this. So I'm, uh, if I say some weird, strange things, Riley, you just wink at me. Okay. Give me a good solid wink, wink, like three winks. Did they take pictures? Can we put them on the Facebook group? I've already paid. I've posted them. Yeah. Okay. They're already good. there. It'd be kind of great if they had a home colonoscopy kit. It'd be just so less traumatic. I think that'd be more. But that put an awful strain on your marriage, wouldn't it? <laughs> Marion, no, to the left. To the, no, Marion. Oh, God. Oh, all right. I have a classic tale for you this week. Are you ready for Is it? Is it a whale of a tale? Well, it's funny that you mention that. It's the tale of Moby Dick, sponsored by Gilboa Fruit. <laughs> what would you do if I just started reading from Moby Dick? Call me Ishmael. That that reminds me of a. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, I got caught in high school plagiarizing. You did? You? And you're a teacher? Oh God, I was a terrible student though. Me too. Which makes me a great teacher, I think. This is one of the ones that I like. I like this era, and we're going back into the way back machine. Yay! We haven't done that in a while. Which I, this show becomes really big and they end up making figures and vehicles for our show. I would like some input on what the Wayback Machine looks like. Of course. It looked like a G.I. Joe sort of style airship tank thing. Okay. Because if we run into trouble, we need to have a way of defending ourselves. So I need some armor plating, uh, some Gatling guns or a laser cannon or something like that. Right? What's your story? Okay. This story is one of history's great unsolved mysteries what happened to the lost colony of roanoke island do you know about this didn't you do this already no you didn't do roanoke west virginia no it's not in west virginia or virginia it's not in virginia where is it north carolina i i'm terrible at geography I, I would have failed that class see and you just shot like a wave of fear through me like oh my god have i already done this one and it's because i was hopped up on Medication. I just know it so well because of um, American Horror Story. Oh, okay, great. Well, then this could be a fun episode where you're going to be knowledgeable and be able to bounce. We'll be able to bounce some ideas off of each other. It's a very well-known story. I don't know that much about it. I just know of it. Oh, I see. Well, a lot of people do, right? And 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 this is not one that I knew super well either, and partly why I wanted to do it because I wanted to learn more. Well, and this is part of the greatest hits collection for sure. It is absolutely. All right, so the colony was founded in August of 1585 by Queen Elizabeth's favorite, Sir Walter Raleigh, who you can see in the movie Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. He's that dashing captain guy that she's not really supposed to uh, have a relationship with, but may have. And it became the first English settlement in the New World. It's hard to believe that, that they were settling 
in the 1500s, like way back. Mm-hmm. That is, mm-hmm. uh, okay, go ahead. So in 1587, John White, who was a cartographer and artist and explorer, and a member of the original settlement of 1585, led a group of about 120 men, women, and children from Britain to found an English colony settling on Roanoke Island, which is one of a chain of barrier islands now known as the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Yes. So shortly after they get there, uh, White left for more supplies. All the way back to England. Yes, all the way back to England. So White left uh, for more supplies, but on his return three years later, found the colony meticulously abandoned with all houses and fortifications dismantled with care. They're gone. They've vanished. Okay. On the morning of August 18th, 1590, a group of sailors from two English privateering ships, the Moonlight and the Hopewell, scrambled up from a sandy beach to enter open woodland. They followed the lead of an elderly man who would have grown increasingly desperate in his shouts. Eleanor! Anias! Anybody! Is anyone there? The sailors had landed on Roanoke Island with their leader, John White, who was now at this point the governor of Queen Elizabeth I's North American Dominion, Virginia. White was trying to find his daughter, Eleanor, and her husband, Anias Dare, and indeed any other English settler on the island. Eleanor and Anias, with his young granddaughter Virginia, were members of the colony he had left there three years earlier. So, a little bit of history. So, initially, in 1585, this settlement is created. It's all soldiers and explorers. There's no women, there's no children. Its intent is to establish an outpost and to begin sort of exploration uh, and a base of operations. Makes sense. And, and in a broader sense, you know, it's actually been a hundred, just almost a hundred years of exploration at this point of North and South America. Columbus discovers right in 1495. Ever since then, it's sort of like an arms race to see who can establish colonies because of all the resources that are rich in these areas. Of course. So the Spanish have pretty much, and the, the Portuguese have dominion over what is now north uh, south and central america mm-hmm. and the english and dutch and french are fighting over what is now north america so it took him three years to get back well there's a story behind that okay cool so this settlement uh, is created in 1585 uh, white is a part of that settlement and he was one of Raleigh's guys that he could uh, depend on he was actually one of the reasons i thought this was cool one of the reasons why he was brought on that initial voyage is because he was an artist, so he could do drawings, which have survived, of the area so that they could bring those back home and show, you know, the queen and, and money. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what it looks like. He was like the photographer for the trip mm-hmm. or videographer, but the 16th century style. Well, I remember, you know, that's funny you mentioned that. I'm just going to give you a quick aside. I was once in a gallery. Um, I can't remember which gallery it was though. I think it was the Whitney. I'm not sure. But anyway, and there was this kid talking to their parents and the kid was saying, why are there just so many pictures of just people? And I remember, cause I had been doing fine arts then. And I turned to the kid and I said, because there were no cameras. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, mm-hmm. the only way to record your yourself to take a selfie was to have your portrait painted. Mm-hmm. And that's why there is so much portraiture during a specific period of time, because there were no cameras. Yeah. And that must be the same thing with this guy drawing. There's no camera, so he's going to record it by drawing it. 
That's right. Fascinating. So in 1587, White, uh, so he lands in 1587 with the, the people. There's uh, problems right from the get-go uh, when they're coming over with these women and children and, and with this idea of creating a community. When you're traveling at sea and you're, you're going to be setting up a colony, you actually have kind of two bosses. You have the ship's captain who's in charge when you're at sea, and then you have the person who's going to be in charge when you land your ship. So that was White, and then there was this captain. There was a disagreement between the two of them of where they wanted to land. So the, the captain won out. He refused to go further where uh, White wanted them to land. So they ended up where Roanoke is. And it's this island close to the mainland, like easy to get to the mainland. But there were some problems with it. There was a, um, a group of indigenous peoples that were not friendly to the English cause that controlled the waters. There was another First Nation band, though, that was friendly, but they were a little bit further away, and they actually controlled more of the mainland okay. uh, in the area. But still not strategically the perfect place to be, okay? It's like, so how close is the island? Like, could you swim it? Uh, no. So it's a boat. You, to get to mainland, you have to use a boat. Yeah, yeah, you have to take a boat. Okay. Yeah. It's not like a, you wade out to the... <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I was gonna... yeah, yeah, I was thinking. No, no, but like you think of like Oak Island, which I'd like to talk about in a future episode... That you, you could swim to. It's right. really close to the shore, right? Okay. To the point where they just made a like a, a, a bridge out of earth to a, like a land bridge. A causeway. To to the, the, yeah, a causeway. So they get there and shortly after arriving, White has to return to England to get badly needed supplies uh, from Sir Walter Raleigh for the colonists who had wintered on Roanoke. When the group arrived, they found the first Roanoke settlement empty. The fort in ruins and... Uh, the mainland indigenous peoples hostile to them. There was one story of of someone going out and not coming back, and then they find them riddled with arrows. Wow. And there were other stories of people being mutilated and things like that, right? Okay. They were trying to scare them. They were trying to scare them away. They didn't want them there. Yeah. They were trespassing. Well, yeah, I can't right? blame them, right? Can't blame them. You know, as a kid growing up with the movies and television books that we read, we demonize these people as being savages when really all they were doing was protecting their families and their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we were invading on their land anyway. So to compound matters, to make things even worse, an accident in the landing led to the spoilage of much of their food supplies. So the salted items and, and the thing, the preserved items that they would have had that would have allowed them to get a foothold in this colony before having to, you know, farm and, and hunt and all that. It was gone. So they were already at a major disadvantage in an extremely hostile uh, place. But wait a minute. It's North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's not harsh winter there, right? No, but they do get winter. No, it's not. But they do get winter and there's storms and there's... Okay. We talked about this. It might have been a long time ago about that rural seclusion. This is the ultimate... There's nothing. Yeah. There, no, there's nothing there. Yeah. There's nothing. You have some friendly relationships with some of the indigenous peoples. That's it. Like there's there's nowhere to go for help. Did they pick an island because it's so defensible? So they were well that again, this wasn't where White wanted to be exactly. Yeah. But the idea was first of all, they needed somewhere that was sheltered, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't be open. But that's but that's not an island. Like if I wanted to stay away from bad weather and stuff, I would never put myself on an island. Right. You're so exposed to wind and rain and ugh, it's awful. Right. They did want to be close to the coast because part of the idea with this colony, they had to have easy access to the ocean because of supply chains. 
Okay. They also had to be in a place where the, I think part of the reason for the island choice was fear of the indigenous peoples and that acts as a moat basically well yeah it's it's super defensible right because that's every time i watch a zombie movie i'm always like just go to a fucking island yeah kill all the zombies on the island like go to pei kill all the zombies on the on the island and you're good the other piece to all this is they were also afraid of being discovered by the spanish Mm. who at the time have the the greatest naval force in the world they are the superpower at that time so they're also trying to hide from them. They don't want to be in a place that would be easily found. And, and this is part of a chain of islands. And it's for, farther up north than where the Spanish are currently operating. So after taking steps to repair existing cottages and build additional ones, the colony's leaders decided that a direct appeal to rally was needed and that only Governor White could make it. Before he left, White witnessed two, and this is sort of heartbreaking in a way, because I think this guy's heart was in the right place. White witnessed two important events. The birth of his granddaughter, Virginia, who was the first English child born in the New World, and the baptism and induction as Lord of Roanoke of the indigenous leader, Menteo. These two events must have been seen by White and all those present as the beginning of a colonial-born population and the integration of these indigenous peoples into Elizabethan religious and political structures. Okay. So he had a lot at stake here. How emotional is that, right? You've been given this great honor to start a new kingdom, you know? Yeah. And your own grandchild is the first. Yeah. Uh, you know? That's a big deal. No, I get it. It's a big deal. His voyage back to America was soon beset by problems. On his first attempt, his vessel was captured by French pirates and he was seriously wounded in the fight. His efforts were also frustrated by a royal order to stop all shipping because of the Spanish Armada threat. Right. Which is that in the movie Elizabeth, they they depict up a massive Spanish invasion of England thwarted basically by a storm. Mm -hmm. So they're mobilizing for war because they know the the Spanish Armada is coming and they're holding everyone back because they needed all hands on deck. Right. Understood. Well, I should hope so. So is that one of the reasons, I was going to ask you this later, but is that one of the reasons why, like, I just don't understand when they want to set up a colony and make it work, they don't send like 20 ships with everything, with furniture, with everything, like, you know, a kit. Money, 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 money. I mean, eventually that's what they end up doing. They send more, they get better at it. Jamestown is the next colony to be established. Mm -hmm. There's a bit more money put into that although it too has some extreme problems you know who was really good at it by the way the french like the french were they had a very different style in dealing with the indigenous peoples of their the area Mm -hmm. not that they were you know good but they were more diplomatic and ended up relying heavily on the indigenous peoples they interacted with to help them survive and thrive like champlain and his establishment of Quebec City and Montreal and places like that. Uh, that was the success of those places largely depended on their relationships with uh, the indigenous people in those areas. Well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Even when White did manage to return in 1590, another disaster took place the day before his search on Roanoke. A captain and several crewmen drowned in rough seas trying to reach Roanoke Island through the dangerous sandbars of the Outer Banks. Nevertheless, the sailors pressed on rowing around Roanoke to anchor off its north end where the settlers had lived. Mm -hmm. But no one answered White's calls. 
because no one was there. Wow. So he got off the rowboat, trudged up. He must have had a sense that something was up, I'm assuming, when he saw no activity. But imagine that feeling, right? Also, like, we've got to, you've got to put yourself there. Not only are you feeling that, but there's no place to go. Like, you can't run to the nearest police station and go, hey, this whole community's gone because you are so far from home and in a completely inhospitable foreign land. I mean, oh my God. That's right. I'd be freaking the fuck out. Yeah. So White found that a new strong fort had been erected, but was now abandoned, containing only discarded heavy items. All the houses of the settlement had been dismantled and removed. No sign of the 117 members of his colony could be found. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Vanished without a trace. Before he left the colony, White had instructed the colonists that if they were taken by force, they were to carve a cross into a nearby tree. But there was no cross. White and the sailors saw fresh footprints on the Roanoke Beach, which gave them evidence that, that local indigenous peoples were hostile or f- fearful of the English search party, but they had been there. So there had been activity, recent activity, uh, because, you know, they could see these footprints on the beach, but no sight of these people, which was perhaps a clue. So one thing they did find that is really weird, and this is one of the things that has helped shape a lot of the theories as to maybe what happened. No cross on the tree. But they did find engraved into a, a gatepost, um, and there's two deferring accounts. One is that they found the letters C-R-O engraved into this, into this wooden post, uh, but White himself later remembered it spelling the full name uh, Croatoan. And they were actually a, uh, they were men, who I mentioned before, Menteo, that was his tribe, and they were friendly. The thinking being that perhaps um, they had these people had left to go to where the Croatoans lived, which was further south in Cape Hatteras. Ah. Okay, that was the initial thinking. Well, that makes sense. It does make sense. So White, seeing this, decided to see if they could go to that area to see if they could find the rest of his colony. Once aboard his ship, though, stormy weather forced them further and further north. Okay, so they couldn't get south because of the storms that they were experiencing. And at one point, there was just no option but to return home. Home, home is England. Yeah, the, the supplies in the ship, right? They just needed, they needed to go home. You guessed my question. What was your question? Why they had to go home? No, which home? Oh, England, yeah. Yes. So no English ship ever did reach Hatteras. Uh, but Spaniards sailing past the Outer Banks say they saw uh, indigenous peoples waving and making music on European-style musical instruments. Oh. Those are Spanish sailing accounts. So there you have it. That's the story of what happened to them. They disappear. There's no trace. Some strange things, right? There's no sign of violence. It seems like they left in an orderly way. But they also didn't do any of the things that they were supposed to do if they had to leave. And White even knew that that was a possibility, that if you need to leave, you know, if you're being attacked, make a carving here so we have an idea of what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need to leave, you're going to go to this designated place. They're not there. Why would they just leave knowing supplies from home are coming? And there's no, there's no sign of a struggle. There's no signs of violence. There's no bloods, no decapitated heads. There's nothing like that. Nothing like that. So, you want to know what some of the theories are? Absolutely. 
Well, I don't have any. So, folks, this is an interactive show. Uh, what I suggest is go to Wikipedia and look it up. Uh, I was tired and just didn't feel like finishing my job. So it's time for you to pick up some of the slack. No, I do have the theories here. I figured you did. I thought that was just another comedy bit. It was. It was a failed comedy bit. No, it was okay. I thought that one up at one of my improv sleepovers. I've been <laughs> holding on to that one for over 25 years. <laughs> well, con- well, con- well, wait. Now, Connor and Aaron were both yeah. conceived at improv sleepovers, right? And born at them, too. All right. So, theory number one. And I, this is similar to your episode last week where some of these theories actually can be combined. They don't all necessarily have to be standalone. So some of them, multiple theories may be true. Cool. So the first one is that they were slaughtered. Uh, Ensuing investigations turned up claims that the colonists had been slaughtered by the Powhatan. I think I pronounced that correctly. The Powhatan tribe. But there is no archaeological evidence of this. So they did investigate. Like, you know, they went back and they questioned people in the area and stuff like that. There was one of the stories that one of the stories they were told was that they had, in fact, been slaughtered by these people. Right. A recent re-examination of the primary sources indicates that any massacre that occurred was not of this particular group of colonists, but rather a group of colonists who had arrived earlier. So they may have been getting their stories mixed up. Yes, there was a group of people, other people that were massacred, but it wasn't them. The, The dates didn't match up. What a terrifying thing to have to be asked to do. We're going to send you to set up a colony here. Good luck. I would like to see a Netflix show where it's about a 16th century detective who has to go back to the New World to investigate this, played by Tony Shalhoub. Oh, my God. You know what I'd like to see? And he is a monk. I'd like to see a reality show where they make people do that. Go back in time? No, not go back in time. I God, can you imagine? No, go and set up a colony like they would have done back then. I do like those shows that where they have to like survive for like, but they, but they make them, they give them like the resources that they had back then. I feel like there was a Canadian, a really low budget Canadian reality show where they had to live like pioneers. My parents would have loved it. Yeah, it was really boring because literally nothing happened. There was, you were right. There was. Jerry went and churned milk today and Diane plucked some chickens. You're right. You're right. You're right. And they had, they made sod huts. They had the sawed roof. Yes, 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 there was. That's so CBC. That is so, so CBC. You know, when you were talking last week about sitting watching TV with your parents, well, one of the reasons why I was not down with that was because my parents and I would watch TV together because we only had one TV. Right. And I would have to watch the horrible shit that they would watch, like Front Page Challenge and just really dull, like, current events shows. Beachcombers? Were they Beachcomber fans? Not really. No, good. Anyway, it was shit like that. It was like, oh, God, spare me. Okay, give me some more theories. Where the hell was I? You were just talking about um, getting massacred, and you said that they there was no evidence to support that. So theory number two is that they tried to sail home and died. In what? I guess there was a, there was a boat left behind. Oh. That's actually a really good question. Something I thought of, too, you know... I was drunk when I was doing the research for this. So. How long does the crossing take back then? Probably about a month, right? Yeah, I was going to say several weeks. Yeah, I think it's around a month. It also depends on the... The wind and time of year. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Again, that can make some sense why they just vanished. Perhaps they packed all... Well, again, if you're going back to England, 
why on earth are you taking your homes apart? Like, just leave them there. Yeah. That doesn't hold a lot of water. And not a lot of people buy that one. Yeah, and if you're compelled to, to leave in such a such a, a way, there's got to be, yeah, you wouldn't be that fastidious. You'd be like, I'm out of here. So the, another theory is that they integrated with a local tribe. Uh, more enduring theories involve integration between the colonists and the Croatoans or other local tribes. But so far, no DNA evidence has positively ident- identified any descendants of the colony having coexisted with these people. There's no evidence of that strain, right, of English DNA in those areas that you would think would exist if they integrated into a, a tribe. They would intermarry, right? But they, they were, and these were English people, right? So you would think that if they did that, there would be DNA evidence. To well, support. you think too, they'd go see the Croatoans and they'd immediately find a pub and all the English people would be there not working. <laughs> oh, there goes our English following. Poor, I love English pubs. Oh, no, no, no. They would all be there um, disobeying um, COVID-19 restrictions. Oh, jeez. Remember how bad the Brits were about that? Yeah. Oh, they were so bad. I love England. It's like my spiritual home, as you know. But Jesus, guys. Well, but we've seen that. I mean, the the United States and Canada as well have had some stupid things happen in, in, oh, yeah. here too. But anyway, so another theory was that they moved further west, that they actually went to the mainland. Mm-hmm. Uh, We know that the Spanish never found the colony, but fear of that threat may have caused it to move further west. So perhaps they saw patrolling ships, they got nervous, and they hastily uh, made a retreat westward onto the mainland to hide. White thought that a move 50 miles further up into the mainland had been intended, because that was one of the things that they had discussed. If you run into trouble, that's where you should go. Also, the nearby mainland indigenous tribe was clearly hostile in 1587, uh, soon after the civilians arrived, as I mentioned, they, they had started having battles with these people. I mentioned the thing about the uh, person who was found riddled with arrows and mutilated. So that threat on the mainland kind of dissuades from that theory. Why would you go into where you know you're going to be in, in, in very serious danger if you move into that territory? And how big was their territory? Well, big. Okay. The next theory is starvation and disease. We also know that the colony faced a serious food shortage and that White in 1587 returned to England because the supplies had been ruined. The civilian colony had no real leverage to convince indigenous tribes to share their winter reserves. Later, famine would force Jamestown to its knees when indigenous people there refused to sell food. North Carolina also lacked a single powerful First Nation that might have supported the colony, so it is probable that it broke up into smaller groups independently intent on survival. That's one that has a lot of traction, that they didn't stick together. Yeah, but somewhere somebody would say, hey, my grandmother knew this guy, and he was a descendant of blah. Like, there's been a trace of somebody somewhere. Maybe, but, or they just died in smaller clumps they didn't ever have descendants because they died. They broke up. They lost their strength of... Because there's some strength in numbers in terms of defense. But there'd be some evidence of it, wouldn't there? Yes, you would think. Oh, yeah. So that's so that's one idea that starvation and disease drove them out, maybe broke them up, and they literally melted into the woods as a result of it. They were either killed by... Um, the hostile. The First Nations. Yeah, the, yeah. Or they, they got lost. They, they died of exposure as a result of it. So 
the last sort of, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but the last one is that they all died. So the reason why we did, they disappear is that they all died. These last three causes, if unchecked, would eventually have led to their deaths. White's sailors came across no burials or human remains during the hours they spent on Roanoke. So it is quite possible that the colonists evacuated the island before incurring such a fate. It's possible the survivors split, as, as I mentioned, into two or more groups. One would have waited for supply ships among the Croatoan tribe on the outer banks. The other would have sailed 50 miles westward to a safer and more productive region. Jamestown colonists did hear secondhand stories about a few survivors from Roanoke living among the tribes in this interior, but these stories were never confirmed. Mm -hmm. As well, if this is what happened, why wouldn't they have left some sort of sign at their original settlement for White knowing that he was going to return? Right. Right? Why give this weird, cryptic, one-word thing? Why not leave... A document. A, a, a document, a note, something saying, we have gone here. We have split. It, it just doesn't add up. It's odd. That's very odd. So here's a neat one. And this is a very uh, recent discovery and may actually be, I mean, there's some people who are claiming this has been solved. Okay. Okay. Very, like we're talking in the last eight years. And as of this past year, there's a group saying of historians that we figured it out. Okay. Thanks to a secret message on a centuries-old map, a team from a group called the First Colony Foundation, which is a North Carolina nonprofit dedicated to researching the history of the ill-fated uh, colony, was able to uncover colonial-era pottery they believe belonged to some of the 115 men, women, and children abandoned on Roanoke. Researchers uncovered a new lead in 2012 while examining a map at the British Museum in London that White had painted of the Elizabethan-era United States titled La Virginia Pars. I think I pronounced it. Pars. Pars. La Virginia Pars, yar. Because I think that White was a pirate. Hidden in invisible ink, presumably... What are you typing? La Virginia Pars. Oh, God, you're going to correct me, aren't you? No, I just want to see what it looks like, you ass. Oh. Got it? Neat, eh? It's really neat. They got Florida all wrong. They did. It looks like a giant penis. Yeah. Well. Oh, and it's one of those cool maps with all the little creatures drawn on it. Yes. Here they be yes. monsters. Okay, so hidden in invisible ink. This is true. Okay, this is this is not like a theory. This is for real. Hidden in invisible ink, presumably to guard information about the colonies from the Spanish, were the outlines of two forts. One, 50 miles west of Roanoke, the same distance away that the colonists had told White they planned to move according to his writings. Oh. Which they never had a chance to, to go and seek out, right? Mm-hmm. The First Colony Foundation's team of archaeologists set out to investigate the site in Bertie County, North Carolina in 2015. Promisingly, the possible settlement was close to a Native American village called Metaquim, and I'm hoping I said that right, typical of early European settlements. There was no sign of a fort, but just outside the village wall, the archaeologists found two dozen shards of English pottery at what's been dubbed Site X. Ground-penetrating radar revealed another possible dig site two miles away. The search continued into December of 2019, at what's been dubbed Site Y. 
yielding many more fragments of ceramics from different parts of Europe. The fragments, which come from vessels used for fruit, food preparation and storage, suggest the presence of long-term residents. Although the experts involved haven't ruled out the possibility that the artifacts may have been left behind by colonists from Jamestown, they are confident that this is evidence of a group of relocated Roanoke colonists. Okay. So one, And one thing that does lend favor to this is a notable lack, it's going to sound weird, but it, it's interesting, a notable lack of English pipes, which were ubiquitous among Jamestown settlers, suggesting the ceramics date from an earlier period. So the fact that they didn't find them are telling them that maybe it wasn't Jamestown. Okay. We are very confident that these excavations are linked to the Roanoke colonies. We have considered all other reasonable possibilities and can find nothing else that fits the evidence. A first colony foundation representative told the Artnet News in an email. But not everyone is buying this explanation for the colony's ultimate fate. Charles Yoon, who's an archaeologist at East Carolina University, says, I am skeptical. They are looking to prove rather than seeking to disprove their theory, which is the scientific way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you have an idea, you need to disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, then they want something to be true and they're finding the evidence to make it true, which is a problem. And I agree with, I agree with that. It's like writing an essay. It's, It's circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Another theory about the colony is that the settlers moved to Croatoan, hence the apparently not-so-cryptic note. Birdie was the heart of enemy territory. Scott Dawson, co-founder of the Croatoan Archaeological Society, told the Virginia pilot, it is the last place they would go. The colony literally wrote down they relocated to Croatoan. So there you have it. The problem, of course, with that theory about them moving to Croatoan, where is the evidence? There's no evidence that they moved there. Nothing. Is there no indigenous persons, like did the indigenous people involved in this, was there any, I, I assumed it was oral history, was the way they would communicate. Is there any oral history about any of this? Right. And I thought that too. That's how history, that's how their histories passed down is through oral tradition. Right. You would think there would be stories of that. Absolutely. And in fact, I mean, they're so good at it. It's, 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 a phenomenal um, uh, source of information. Mm-hmm. So it, the fact that there are no stories about, you know, a band of 120 Europeans arriving in your village tells me that either it didn't happen or they were wiped out. Like th- those people with those stories were wiped out as well, which is possible. I just think they were killed. Well, and the last theory, of course, is that they accidentally stumbled upon the Amityville house where aliens then took them. There's going to be aliens involved. I think they were killed. I think they were killed um, because they were intruding on indigenous lands and kaboom. I think they were killed too. It's just why or how. Well, maybe they just took them. They took them back to where they lived, the indigenous group, and took care of it. Why not leave a note? Well, maybe it was, maybe they wanted to fuck everybody up. I don't know. But again, my question is though, wouldn't that, appear or be have have been noted in their history wouldn't somebody know something right Mm -hmm. 150 people too is a lot it's a lot of people that's what i mean like this is a i think why this is considered a classic is because like every possible theory has serious problems with it yeah 
the the one where they've found the pottery certainly that's the the most tangible one because there's actual evidence but again it doesn't make sense why would you set up a fort in the heart of enemy territory just to get to that fort would be a problem this is one of the big ones too right this is one of the big biggest mysterious disappearances ever is the roanoke yes. the roanoke community yes couldn't the Spanish have sailed on by and took care of them? That's a really good question. So according to Spanish documents, it, they never found them. Okay. They never saw them. There was no interaction because they, they were record keepers, right? And there would have been, that would have been newsworthy to say, we found this English colony and beca- and it would be important. Yeah. There's no evidence that the Spanish ever found them. God. So um, this leads me to my last question, then we should wrap it up because, again, we're at an hour. So there, it's like Oak Island where there's an active community out there trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. People searching mm-hmm. and poking around. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and some really skilled, knowledgeable, educated people. And when you brought the map in with the ink, I got so excited because it was like national treasure or something. So, And this is the thing, is that I believe that there was a plan to eventually build that fort Mm -hmm. but i don't think it ever came to fruition they were looking so in that area there was a lot of mining resources right that they they knew they wanted and needed so to create a military foothold in that area was going to be essential to that Mm -hmm. so what i'm thinking is perhaps white was designing where things could be Mm -hmm. to me though if he knows that there's a fort because he's the one who's drawn it wouldn't he go there as opposed to try to go south to the Croatoan, although I guess that note on the post may have led him to think they were there. But why not, when you see what the winds are doing, head back west, go to the mainland and try to figure out if they're there. Mm-hmm. And there is no and there is no evidence of a fort in that area, in Birdie. So... I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know either. But that's the joy of the weird. That is the joy of the weird, where we uh, present you these fantastic stories and don't give you any answers. <laughs> That's why we love these stories, right? Yeah. yeah. We don't want our stories about crop circles to be ruined. Well, like I was thinking of telling the story of the um, missing Chips Ahoy. What is that? What are you talking about? Well, I went down the other day to, to have a cookie and the package was put away in the cupboard and uh, I opened it up completely empty. What the fuck are you eating Chips Ahoy for, Roseanne? Oh, the, I love That's Chips like Ahoy. That's like ghetto cookies. What? They're the, they're, No. They're like, they're, what, what, what do you mean they're a ghetto cookie? Chips Ahoy? Like chocolate chip cookies from like the store? Like di, like Nabisco or whatever? Yes. Ew. For cookies and milk, nothing beats Chips Ahoy. I'll have to take your word for that. Yeah. Do you like dunking cookies and milk? I don't like store-bought chocolate chip cookies. I like, they have oh to be. God. I don't. I think they're too crispy. The only cookie that I love that I will buy in the store are those old lady pea cream cookies with the jam in the middle. They have the jam in the middle. Why don't you take your pea creams and head off to a beautiful mountain with um, with something else you like? Um, I like you, Dan. Van Halen album and me. Well, Dan, why don't you go back to your trailer park and don't wash your underwear. Just turn them inside out. <laughs> no, no. I just, uh, I never, uh, I never like Chips Ahoy. But I discovered the mystery. It was my son. Of course, I'd do shit like that. My mother used to get mad because I would drink all the milk and then put the carton back in the fridge. Uh-huh. Oh, and that's uh, my wife's family. They, I, I knew I was in trouble when I was dating her and they did that. 
They'd put the milk back in the fridge. They all did it. I think they all, maybe not her mom. My mother-in-law didn't do that. I'm feeling Angie wouldn't do that. But Mary, yeah, like I've caught Mary Newton. She'll say, <laughs> like there's like, a, like not, like not even a quarter of an inch of liquid at the bottom. And she'll say, well, I thought maybe it's about, I'm like, who, you can't drink that. So you're, just throw it out. She's going to love the way you just characterized her that voice. That is my impression of my wife. Dan, you want to go watch a movie? Dan, rub my feet. Oh, can I tell you one quick thing before we go? Yeah, it looks like you're wearing makeup. Why? Because it, it looks like there's makeup on your lips. It looks like you're wearing... Well, I shaved. Uh, it just looks like you're wearing makeup. So I have nice skin. Well, men are wearing makeup now, and I'm glad. I'm not wearing makeup. Well, every time I get a zit now, I just throw on the makeup. Well, clowns have been wearing makeup for years and they finally, that trend is... Are you calling me a clown? (laughs) One of my daughter's uh, aftercare providers years ago used to wear heavy, heavy, heavy makeup. And my daughter, who I think at the time was five years old, she she asked if Miss... I'm not going to say her name. Miss Blank was married to a clown because of all the makeup she wore. (laughs) And she's being sincere. I love when kids make observations like that. I, one last thing. I do want to mention this before we go. I watched yesterday and was very surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie Greenland. Amazon thing, right? Yes. Yeah, I watched it. And? I don't know. Because I thought it was going, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a pure disaster movie like The Day After Tomorrow, which I love. Which it is. I love. No, it's not. It's an emotional drama. It's Gerard Butler running around. The world's coming to an end. It's Gerard Butler running around upset. I'm sorry, but this might seem Machiavellian to me, but I was so tired of that diabetic kid. I was just like, fuck that diabetic kid. Like, fuck it. He just, he caused so many people to die and so much grief. Like, seriously. How did, what do you mean? It was his fault that they couldn't put the thing up. Like, there was accidents and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's that true. That diabetic kid, like, for Christ's sake. I will say this, that, that he was uh, he was a bit of a weak link in terms of the acting of that, that child. The writing or the acting was, was not on par uh, with the rest of the cast. I actually think Gerard Butler, he's this interesting mid-range action hero guy, like, did well. I actually thought... He did fine. Well, do you know Gerard Butler is notorious for making bad choices? Mm. And I don't know if you've ever watched that fabulous Jimmy Kimmel where they make stars read mean tweets. Have you ever watched that? Oh, yeah. Well, Gerard yeah. Butler reads one and it says, what kind of horrible mortgage does Gerard Butler have? <laughs> where he has to do any stupid movie that they offer him. Well, and that's probably a part of it, well, right? And he produced Greenland. So he's behind the helm of that as well. Look, he, he can act. Like he, well, of course he can. I felt for him. Of course he can. And he's a good looking guy and he has presence. Uh, I can't remember her name, but the woman who plays his yeah, wife. Yeah, she was great. She's phenomenal. She's in, in uh, Daredevil. Uh, not Daredevil. Um, um, oh, God. We're getting old. Uh, Law and Order SVU? No, the superhero. Amanda Jones? Jennifer Jones? Whatever her name is? No, the really funny superhero movie. The one I like, Shazam? With Ryan Reynolds. Ew, ew, Daredevil. No, it is Daredevil. No, Red Person. What is that called? It, it, so anyway, it's Marina Baccarin is the actress. She's phenomenal. And it's Deadpool. Well, look, we're over an hour and I'm sure people would like to continue to listen. To I have to say one more thing. Do you know what one of my favorite actors who were comedians who wanted to be known as more than that? One of my favorite ever performances 
of Rhea Perlman. No, but I like I love Rhea Perlman. There we go. It was Her and Danny DeVito. They're hilarious. To, imagine mm-hmm. them at your house for dinner. I would love to have them living. It'd in my be basement. so fucking right on. Mm-hmm. They could take care of my the dog. Best example of a, a a comedic actor trying to be uh, trying to reinvent himself and make people understand that he could be more was Robin Williams when he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, Mork and Mindy, uh, Patch Adams. No, you know the one where he's a, a beggar. He's, oh, uh, the 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 um, Fisher King. That's an amazing movie, and his performance is amazing in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then he played that serial killer who worked at the um, photography place. The Fisher King is a beautiful movie, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Robin Williams mm-hmm. in a completely different way. Do you know that his rapid delivery of jokes? Do you know where that stems from? Low self low self esteem. And he was so worried that a joke would not land that he would follow it up with another one and another one and another one and another one because he he felt like he needed to barrage you because he was so scared that you weren't going to like his jokes if he just slowly went through I wish I knew more about him because he seems like such a complicated, tortured kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And he was brilliant. And I would say, too, some of the great, great comedians are also sometimes some of the best actors. Oh, yeah. We've seen yeah, that transition sure. before, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, mm-hmm. we've gone into an hour. Every time, it's always you. Mine was a nice, tidy 42 minutes, and yours is an But it's me, mostly, opening my big, fat mouth. Yeah, it's you sabotaging and just not letting me speak. All right, so, look, people. Uh, thank you for listening to our show this evening. If you liked what you listened to, please remember... You can rate our show. You can let people know about it. That's really the way that you can repay us. Spread the word of the weird out to everyone you know. Shout it out in a in a crowded store at the top of your lungs. Scream until someone acknowledges you and agrees to listen to our show. If you don't do that, well, then I don't And don't forget, you. coming in 2021, the weird sleepovers where Dan Lajoie will be going across North America and Canada. Well, North America is part of Canada. Canada's part of North America. And hosting sleepovers in some of our choice cities. Hosted by Gilboa Fruits. Is there really a Gilboa Fruits? You made that up? No, I made Where'd that up. Where'd you get up? Gilboa? Sounds like a terrible name. I don't know. It just sounds like a weird name that would be terrible sounds for like a food a, company. A, 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 sir, my name is Gilboa. Anyway, that was good. You know what? I'm glad you did that because I only knew very peripheral shit about Roanoke. And now I know way more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, look it up and read a little bit. Good for you. So thank you, people, for listening. Subscribe. Um, keep following us. Stay with us. We love it. And um, you're the reason we do this. Good night, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye. I Dan, you want to go watch a movie?